Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody back to another episode of the Animals to the Max podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. Thank you for joining me today. Welcome back. Oh my gosh. And now I'll tell you what, I took a few weeks off from the podcast. And, you know, to be honest, it's been crazy busy this summer. We've been building new turtle ponds. Matter of fact, I'm building four turtle ponds with waterfalls for our snapping turtles and our other water turtles. There's just a bunch of stuff going on filming for YouTube. So I took a few weeks off from the podcast, but I'll tell you what, it is so nice to be back. And it was so cool to talk to our guest today because we haven't actually featured a zookeeper for quite a long time on the show. And I feel like a lot of you listening might be interested in an animal care field, or maybe if you're listening, you already work as a zookeeper or you work in some type of animal care field. So I know you're really going to enjoy this interview on the show. I have on Sierra and Sierra is a zookeeper at the Tanganyika wildlife park in Goddard, Kansas. And I actually, you'll hear the interview. I found Sierra through TikTok. I was scrolling through TikTok and I saw someone post a video about a pygmy hippo. And I don't know about you, but I am just, I'm obsessed with hippos. I, for some reason, I just, they're like one of my favorite animals, hippos, hyenas, and alligators and crocodiles are like my favorite animals. And it interests me when I see videos of like zookeepers, you know, you know, enriching the hippos or training hippos or just feeding hippos. And I just sent her, it was one of her videos. I said, I wrote a little comment and said, Hey, would you be interested in coming on the animals to the max podcast? Please email me or contact me. And she got back to me right away. And I was so happy to talk to her because I just, I'm fascinated with what it would be like to care for a pygmy hippo. And it turns out she also cares for okapis and the greater one horn rhinos or the Indian rhinos. So it's like, what is it like to take care of these animals that I have never personally taken care of? So this is a really fascinating interview. We go through what it's like caring for one of the, you know, rarest large mammals on earth, which that is the okapi. They are uh, currently endangered. They're a really rare animal, secretive animal found in the Congo. And I talked to her, you know, what is this like? What is their behavior like? Are they hard to train? Are they easy to train? We then go into the pygmy hippos, which I have so many questions because of course hippos, they, you know, their husbandry involves pools. And so having alligators, I'm just obsessed with learning how, you know, people keep their pools clean and what's it like. And I just, you know, I also hear that pygmy hippos are pretty messy. So I, you know, of course had to ask Sierra all the nitty gritty details of what it's like caring for pygmy hippos. And they just had a baby hippo. Actually, it was about 10 months ago, but still, uh, his name is Link and he is absolutely adorable. So I asked her, what is it like caring for a hippo calf and are they aggressive parents? And so a lot of questions there. We then end the interview with rhinos and you're going to learn why Sierra loves training rhinos so much. And so, like I said, if you are interested in becoming a zookeeper or wondering what it's like to care for these large mammals, this would be the podcast for you. Now, as as always, I do encourage you to follow us over for the after show. Uh, the after show is just a way for you to listen to the full interview. And all you have to do is head on over to patreon.com slash animals to the max. And I include the links in the show notes, but I talked to Sierra more about what it's like being a zookeeper. And I mean, gosh, I hope I wasn't too blunt, but I, I you know, I, I just ask her like, let's talk about low wages in zookeeping. 
Uh, let's talk about compassion fatigue. I mean, it's something that's rampant in the industry. So we really go in depth about that. So if you're interested for the full interview, once again, make sure to check out that Patreon page and membership start at only $10 a month and it just helps support the show and you get exclusive access to bonus content. I also encourage you to follow me over on my social channels on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. That is where you'll see a bunch of behind the scenes information about this podcast and also my work with animals, which has got me uh, pretty, it's, uh, it's got me pretty busy, pretty time consuming, but I would not have my life any other way. So anyway, sit back, relax. I'm so happy you're here with me today. I'm so happy I'm back. Let's do it. Let's talk about what it's like caring for pygmy hippos, okapi, and rhinos. Sierra, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Okay, thank you so much. And it's been a little while since we've had a zookeeper on the show, so I am so excited to dive into the realm of zookeeping with you. That's awesome. I'm excited too. I'm I've been looking forward to it. Yes, and I have to tell you what, I found you off TikTok cuz you're one of my favorite TikTokers. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I saw your comment on one of my videos and I was like, <gasps> So I like checked you out. I was like, oh my gosh, heck yeah, I got to do this. <laughs> well, you have me, first of all, I don't know how, the TikTok algorithm is crazy, but I don't know how they know that I'm obsessed with hippos. And the fact <laughs> that you are, you know, interacting with pygmy hippos, and then I see that you have Okapi, and I'm like, wait, what? And then rhinos? I was like, this is insane. I have to get her on the show. Oh yeah, my the animals I work with are just the perfect combination. I My routine's just the best. It's It's amazing. Yeah, I just so how long have you been a zookeeper? Um, a little over three years now. Three years. Okay. And yeah. was this something you always wanted to do? Oh yeah, for sure. I fell in love with Okapi when I was pretty young and knew I wanted to work with them. Um and when I was in high school, I actually visited Tanganyika and did their Okapi behind the scenes tour. Well, over the course of about four three years, four years, I have visited like three times and did the same tour. So during my third time, the like, zookeeper was like, all right, just do our internship. And I was like, okay. And so I did. And then they hired me right out of it. So yeah. Really? And for, yeah. s for someone listening who's like, what's in a copy? Can you explain what they are? So there was one time I went to the Memphis Zoo. And one of the keepers there described them as giraffalopes, part zebra, part antelope, part giraffe. So that's like a great description, but they're the only living relative of giraffe, but they have zebra stripes on their like back end and their front legs. Mm -hmm. They kind of look like a horse too. They're just, they're amazing. They look like some kid just drew them and yeah. there they are. Yeah. And you know, what's crazy too, is I think Okapi, aren't they one of like the newest large mammals to science? They were just discovered within what, like a hundred years. It's crazy. Yeah. They were discovered in 1901, like known to the Western world in 1901, which is insane. Like that's crazy. crazy. It's a large yeah. animal. Exactly. It's huge. And it's for it to just now have been discovered and like, we're still learning more about them every single day. It's insane. Yeah. And I do want to give the indigenous people credit because they knew about them for years and years and years, but we were, yeah. they're, they're just so elusive. And so, yeah, yeah. I don't see too many Okapi in zoos either. No, last I heard it was like only 30 to 40 facilities out of like 400 plus in the U.S. house them. Uh -huh. So it's, it's huge that we are able to have them and I get to work with them and it's just amazing. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of young people who listen to the show or older people who might want to break into the zookeeping profession. So you said you started out doing an internship. I did, yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, I, I was a sophomore in college when I did the internship, and I was studying wildlife biology to go into zookeeping. And this field is a ton of experience. Like, education is great, but it's so much experience. You have to, you know, have experience to get experience. So when I found the opportunity to do the internship, I, I jumped on it. Was it hard? Like, did you get accepted right away? Because I know a lot of people don't even get accepted with internships. Yeah, I heard back from them within a couple of months at least, but it is like very limited on how many people they let in to our program at least. And I know mm-hmm. other programs are the same way. So yeah, it was it was definitely kind of tough to get into and they did the whole interview process just like they would for like a full time position. Okay. And you were in college at the time. I was. Which yeah. which probably looked really, really good. What were some things like your duties as an intern? Did they just throw you right in with the Okapi or did you have to work your way up? <laughs> um, so how our t- internship works, it's really cool because we do it to where like each intern is in one of the like departments for like six weeks. So you get carnivore experience, primate experience, hoofstock experience experience with our penguins and sloths and then experience with like our roos and education animals throughout your internships you it helps you really pick the animals you want to work with or that you enjoy I knew what I wanted to work with so I I had a lot of time spent with the hoofstock routine and we work like where you have some volunteer days I spent every single volunteer day with the rhino coffee pygmy hippo routine um, but so we did that. They had us like help keepers, but a big portion of our internship is also um, stationed. So what that kind of is, is at the park we have where you do giraffe feeding, um, feeding children's zoo animals, touching kangaroos, feeding lorikeets. And they have the interns man those stations, which extreme like helps our customer service and our public speaking confidence go through the roof. So we did a lot of that stuff, but still got a lot of keeper time, which was nice. Yeah. Well, and you're a great speaker. I can already tell from just meeting, you know, with you for a few minutes, which has to help because I think some people get into the field and think, oh, I don't like people. I just want to work with animals. But wouldn't you say you have to have pretty good people skills to uh, become a zookeeper? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like most zookeepers want to work with animals because we're animal people. We're not people people. But at the end of the day, like we can't save these animals ourselves. So we need to be able to educate the public and talk to the public and be able to talk to people so that we can get the message across that these animals need our help so then that they will want to help and learn more about them so oh yeah public speaking and being people people you gotta have it to you know really excel in the field for sure yeah so you're an intern and then how long mm-hmm. are you an intern before they give you like a full position a full-time position i was an intern for six months so may through november wow now did you finish college no, I did not. So when really? they offered me the position, yeah, they offered me like working with the uh, okapi and pygmy hippos and rhinos. Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. like, it these species are so rare. And like for me to get the opportunity to work with them full time with six months of internship experience, it's huge. And so, yeah, I, I ended up dropping out of college. I plan to finish it one day, but mm-hmm. getting this experience for me is extremely important. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's no, it's nothing to feel bad. I mean, you're doing what you wanted to do. Like there's nothing. Exactly. I mean, hey, at least you're not in student loan debt or at least a lot of it. Yeah, exactly. Yep. 
yeah, I'm doing what I was going to go to school for four years to do anyway. So, <laughs> wow. So you, I mean, you're a pretty rare exception though. I should, I kind of want to say, I, I feel like I've never heard of any, I'm, well, maybe a few people, but where you're in college, but then you find your dream job, you get offered it. And it's like, why not? Yeah, exactly. I feel extremely lucky. I worked extremely hard during the internship to get that opportunity, but I, I definitely got extremely lucky with, with the opportunity that was there. What do you think set you apart from others? I spent like, again, spending so much time volunteering mm -hmm. and learning, like I was ready to do that routine by the time they hired me. So like, I didn't need much more training for it. So like, just it's cliche, but it's hard work. It literally will set you apart every time. And, you know, putting in that, those extra hours for those routines and spending those time, like time with those animals and things like that. I, I think that really helped. And while I was an intern, I actually set up where we celebrated World Okapi Day, mm -hmm. and I tried, I like initiated to where I wanted to run their Okapi behind the scenes, and no other inter intern had done that before, so I think those kind of things like help set me apart. Yes. Oh, that's amazing. Well, congratulations. Yeah. So you're working with, oh, thank you. you're working with Okapi there. I mean, they're, are they still critically endangered or just endangered? I know they're really, really like their numbers are really low in the Congo. Yeah, they are listed as endangered. Um, okay. There's only an estimated 10,000 to 15,000 of them remaining, but their forest is obviously pretty dangerous to enter with like the war and things like that. So that we really track them through cameras. So those numbers could be off. Okay. And what is something surprising that you learned while working with Okapi? Is it just like taking care of a horse? Like I've never taken care of one. So take me through, <laughs> you know, what is it like? It's a pretty rare animal from the Congo. Yeah, they they are very jumpy. Like okay. they're very skittish. So you have to be, you know, talking to them constantly, which is kind of hard for like interns or new people to do because you feel silly. Like, <clears throat> hello, here, here I come, you know. Oh. Um, but you have to. Or if you walk in without them knowing you're there, they're gonna run and could hurt themselves. So they're very skittish, very jumpy. Skittish. Okay. But, yeah. Very interesting. And, you know, that's kind of how they are, like, in their native habitat. They're pretty elusive. They're going to run away and things like that. So mm -hmm. that's definitely a big thing is making your presence known constantly. You could be standing right next to them, and if they look away and then look back at you and spook and run, it's, it's ridiculous. But, yeah, so, for sure, that's... So I hear through the zookeeper grapevine that giraffes aren't really that intelligent. I don't know. I, I've never worked. I mean, I <laughs> yeah. haven't... Well, no, I've, like, never right. taken care of them, but I hear they're, like they're not very intelligent and you're telling me, you know, the Okapi is the closest living relative to a giraffe. Yeah. Would you say that Okapi are like along the same lines? And I know, like I said, everyone listening, take this with a grain of salt. I, you know, Sierra is not like, this is just her opinion working with them. I mean, are they not the sharpest? What is it? Not the sharpest crown in the box? Well, I may be biased, but I think they're smarter than giraffes. Really? Um, I've been able to, train them a lot of behaviors it it's a lot of patience and a lot of problem solving um but i you know they're pretty smart they they pick things up pretty quickly and obviously it depends on the individual mm -hmm. like we have our male he is very very skittish and like when i first started you walk into the stall he's walking away mm -hmm. whereas our female is like give me scratches pay attention to me all up in your space and so when i went to train our male it's like, how, how do I reward him if he doesn't even like me? <laughs> you know, how do I give you food if you don't like me? So I actually target trained him and his reward was me leaving. What? 
And he picked it up within two weeks. So they're pretty smart. Like, okay. Yeah. And I feel like I should take that back because being skittish should not be like, should not judge the intelligence of an animal. But, but I think the reason why I said that is because you were like, sometimes I'll be there, but then they'll turn away and then they'll see me and get spooked. That's why I was like, Oh, maybe they're not the sharpest. They're not the, they're not, no, they're not the brightest, but I'm going to say they're smarter than giraffes. (laughs) Okay. So let's go back into training. I've never trained an Okapi. First of all, why would you train an Okapi? Um, lots of different reasons. I, for the male, my main thing was confidence building with him. I wanted him to get more comfortable with us so that, mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't stressed every time we walked near him or anything like that. So for him, it was mostly confidence building. For our female, I've trained her to target, which is also confidence building, but it was, I also, she started basically when I started, like she came to Tanganyika when I got there. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to build our relationship and I started that with targeting. And now I have her trained for ultrasounds, abdominal ultrasounds. So that's a medical reason, things wow. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, she's also trained to walk up onto a scale. So oh. we get weekly weights on her. So if she ever does get pregnant or anything, we can track her weights that way. Okay. Okay. Um, so there's, there's all kinds of different reasons, but... Yeah, it sounds like for yeah. you know for for husbandry purposes and like yeah, for the best exactly. health of the animal. So target training. What are you using for a target train? Like, are you using like I mean like a stick with like a ball on it or how? Are, like, what what type of target are you using? For our female, I did use a stick with like a little like buoy okay. floating thing on the end of it. Okay. For our male, since he was so skittish, I uh-huh. actually just used a fist. So I just used my hand. He touched it with his nose. That was his target. Because I didn't want to introduce anything even scarier than me. Sure. So, sure. so yeah, he targets to the fist, which is kind of cool. So with the female, you go in with the stick with the buoy. And when she mm-hmm. comes up and touches that with her mouth, do you have like a whistle? And that's like how you let her know, like, or a little, you know, like that she did something good and you reward her with a treat? I use the verbal bridge good. Whatever. Oh, okay. So I, I don't use a whistle or anything. I don't know. I feel like you could. Okay. Um, but I don't know if that would like spook them as well. Okay. Because like I, I noticed that with our giraffe, we we like use a clicker with one of our males. Uh huh. And he had to like get desensitized to it. Mm-hmm. So I just use the verbal the verbal bridge. Good. So how long does it take your female to like hit that to hit not hit the target but to touch that target for you to say good? Um, now it just pretty much as soon as I present it, she comes up and touches it. So sure. it's within, you know, seconds. Um, when I first started, it was not that pretty. Um, it took a lot with her cause she, ha- she also does not take food from hands. Okay. So we have to have like a bucket with food in it that we hold out for her when she does something good. So it was a lot to juggle whenever we first started. So it took a while and took a lot of problem solving, but now she's, she's got it down to where she does it pretty much as soon as you put the target there. She's very food motivated, so. That's good. Yeah, I, I really need to work on target training my alligators. I really, really do. I mean, people I mean, people online are like, why are they not trained? And it's like, well, <laughs> they're like, the, <laughs> they, they, they do what they want, but I think I really need to train them. But it would be yeah. like the same thing. I need to get a target and, you know, get them desensitized to that. It's would be really yeah. good, good for husbandry. And yeah, and with the male, so you just, but he's so skittish. So how long did it take him to actually touch your fist it sounds like it you'd need a lot of patience yeah it was a process it i kind of started with i like would present my fist he would like look at it okay i leave the stall good job and then i'd come back within a couple like seconds or whatever and then 
worked our way out to win. And then he would step towards my fist, like, okay, mm-hmm. good job. And then he'd get closer, and then he finally would touch it. And at first, he would touch it and then, you know, freak yeah, out and yeah. be like, what the heck is that? Um, but he, it took, I would say, a solid month, month and a half mm. to get it where he was, like, consistently, you know, coming up and touching it. And then by the time I got towards the end of our training, I was able to actually feed him as his reward. Oh, so that's I'd give great. him some of his food. Isn't yeah, that great? He's, he's come a long way. Because that's yeah. what you want for your guests, right? For the behind-the-scenes encounter, for them to be able to hold a piece yeah. of food and the okapi to come over. Yeah, exactly. And our male or our female is great at it. She lets people pet her, they oh. feed her, they get pictures with her, all kinds of stuff. But our male is, is not that way, and it'd be great to have him included oh. in that. But you said the female doesn't take it from your hand. You have to have like a bucket, and then she'll yes. come over. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So she's yeah. She'll take she'll take food from your hand if it's through the fence. Oh, so we're we're working our way there. <laughs> do you ever have a behind the scenes tour where they just don't want anything to do with any of the guests? It's happened a couple of times, yeah. And, and people are usually really understanding, and because you you know you have to explain. Okapi are you know they're pretty shy. There's all these different factors that could be going on. We never are going to force the animals to participate in anything. It's mm-hmm. completely their choice, and they have bad days just like all of us do. So guests are typically really understanding of that, but it has happened. It, oh my they god! Just, or they'll just stand there and just stare at us. And we're like, "Can you, can you come over here?" And like, no, no. Yeah, you're like, "Come no. on, please." <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. right there. No. You're right there. What are you, yeah. what are you feeding them? So they get um, two different types of pelleted grain. One of which is called boskos, and it actually comes from Africa. It's I crushed acacia leaves oh. into a pellet, which is awesome. Um, and then they get a produce diet, which is lettuce, sweet potato, apple, um, carrot, and sweet potato kind of go like you only get one of those a day. So they switch back and forth. Uh-huh. And then they get alfalfa hay. Okay. And then are, they get browse daily as well. Are they pretty messy or do they go to the bathroom in like one spot? Do they have their own little favorite latrines? I wish. I wish they did that. No, they are a mess. And our female is also very messy with her food. She like will eat alfalfa and put it everywhere and she'll mm-hmm. spit it out on you if you're in there with her it's the worst but oh. no they they poop everywhere they poop in piles okay but they poop in their like their piles are everywhere so okay they're kind of messy but it's so, all right are they do they are they do they like to swim are they aquatic kind of or they, they don't no no, they no. Don't. they're it's kind of cool because they have um a red oily like substance all oh, over their body yep, which yep. makes them actually waterproof so okay very cool yeah whenever it rains you can see like water droplets sitting on top of their fur yeah which would make sense because they're in the congo it rains in the rainforest right. all the time so right. that's just a great adaptation yeah i hear when you touch an okapi they feel like velvet i've never touched one but velvet and it's oily they do. Yeah. It, they, they really do. They're, they're crazy cool. They're, they're very soft, but yeah, you get like red oil just all over you. Oh my God. How cool. That's so cool. Yeah. Right. And so you said the wildlife park is in Kansas. You guys have some rough winters. So how do, what is winter like? Um, so we have obviously have access temps for all of our animals. Most of our hoof stock is a feels like a 50 degrees. Mm-hmm. So the the park is actually closed to the public from about November to March. Oh. Um, since since the winters are so rough, like hardly any of the animals are are out anyway. Sure. So whenever it is warm enough, they get to go outside and stuff like that. But when it's too cold, they just stay in the barn. They all have heated flooring, overhead heaters. Nice. All kinds of stuff. And 
uh, most of the animals are like, yeah, I would rather stay inside anyway. And so they yeah. do really well. But I've tried giving like the okapi snow enrichment whenever it does snow and they mm. hate it. Our oh. pygmy hippos like it, but the okapi hate it. So really, but the winters are pretty okay for the animals. Like I don't like them, but mm -hmm. the animals do all right. I feel, and I know we were talking about this earlier and I was like, oh my gosh, we have to save this for the podcast. But I feel like I've been to this wildlife park because I used to drive, my sister and I would drive every summer. We'd have a road trip from Idaho to go to St. Louis to see my family. And I feel like along the way, there is this wildlife park and there's billboards everywhere. No, really. And I'm pretty sure this is the park. It's a... In, Am I correct? It's like, I remember we went and it's just this giant park. I remember they had rhinos. I remember they had chimps. Like, is, you know, is like a reptile area. Is this the right park? I, we do not have chimps or reptile areas. So you really? So. Yeah. So you'll have to come out though. If We're, you've never been, you need to come so out. You've never had chimps at all? No, no, no chimps. Really? We have some reptiles, but not like on on display. But yeah, this no is chimps. this is gonna bug me. Do you know that? Really, <laughs> it's not on the freeway. It's not on like I. I mean, I guess you work there, so I mean, I just remember specifically <laughs> there being chimps, and that is. No. Yeah. See, now, well, now you have to come visit though. Well, that was like ten years ago. Could things have changed <laughs> or no? You're like, no, I don't. We, think... I know for yeah, I know for sure we've never had chimps. We've wow. been we've only been open to the public for. 14 years now we're actually celebrating like the park's birthday this oh, coming week oh my gosh okay and it started pretty small so 10 years ago it probably definitely wasn't as it's definitely wasn't as big as it is now but okay yeah no chimps okay Dang. that's interesting <laughs> i mean yeah okay must have been a different park well i definitely need to come see so let's yeah. talk about my favorite pygmy hippos how cool I love hippos. I just, oh, they're so cool. And by the way, Sierra, can you give us your TikTok handle so the audience can go follow you? Because it's such a cool page. Oh, absolutely. It is the Sierra Nicole. And Sierra is S-I-E-R-R-A. Okay. And I'll put the links in the show notes so audience, yeah. you can go and follow her. But I love yeah. it. Yeah, I think those are my, Thank first, you. my first videos. I was like, oh, <laughs> that's so cool. Thank let's, you. let's talk yeah. about it. Pygmy hippos. Oh, there are something else. They So we have a male, a female, uh, okay. which are a breeding pair. And then, of course, we have the baby right now. He's 10 months old now, 152 pounds, oh. all pure attitude and sass. He's great. Um, so a cool thing about, like, the park I work at is we have had the only three pygmy hippo babies born in the entire state of Kansas, which is awesome. Wow. And to be a part of that program is amazing. So links number three. Um, they're a lot of they're a lot of fun to work with. They, like I knew I wanted to work with Okapi, fell in love with the rhinos immediately, and I was not expecting to love the pygmy hippos so much. But they are they're really cool. They're a lot of fun. Yeah. So how big are they compared to like a Nile hippopotamus or a big hippo you see in Africa? Yeah, the males are only about five hundred to six hundred pounds. Wow. Uh, so much smaller. The females are about. 400 to like 480 ish pounds our females about 425 so a lot smaller wow and okay so you're with the with the pygmy hippos i hear from zookeeper friends that they are a pain to clean up after because they poop everywhere like my friend cleaned up she had to clean like at the indoor area for pygmy hippos and i guess poop was splattered on the ceiling oh, yeah. every single day is this your experience 
Oh, yes. It very much so is. The females don't do it, but the males, they'll back their butt up to the wall when they go to defecate, and they'll start flinging their tail back and forth, and it flies like five-plus feet in the air. You have to bleach. I have to bleach at least once a week, and it still, like, doesn't get it perfect. They also poop all in their pool, and it's disgusting. So, yeah, they are not fun to clean up after. The baby that we have now gets in the drinking water trough and lays in it and defecates in it. So I have to clean out that out constantly. They oh. are really gross. And people are like, where do you like, can I have one as a pet? I'm like, mm, I don't, <laughs> you don't want one. I promise. <laughs> They're cute, but no. <laughs> yeah. I, so what is their, what is their pool like? Cause I am fascinated with pools. I have alligators <laughs> and I am constantly fixing the pump. Something's getting jammed in the, the pump. Like I'm just, the, the water gets dirty. It's like, Oh my God. It's like the story of my life trying to get with these pools. Is that how it's like with the pygmy hippos? Like what is their pool like? Is it easy to drain or what is that like? It is really easy to drain. We have to drain it every single day. So every they have day. an exhibit pool every day. Every wow. day they clean it. They have a large exhibit pool. Um, okay. And then they have, they each have an indoor pool. Okay. Which is pretty much the same, pretty close to the same size as their exhibit pool. Uh-huh. And so the indoor ones we clean every other day um, to help prevent their skin from getting too dry. If they're okay. out of the water too much. Okay. Uh, but the exhibit pool we have to clean every day. It's I ridiculous. Have to... But we don't have... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. I'm, I'm going to Google it while you continue to talk because oh, I'm just, okay, I just, no. I just want to see. I've seen a little stuff, you know, in your, you know, um, in your TikTok, but I'd love to be able to like see the actual exhibit. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Um, so the only main like issue or kind of problem sometimes we have with the pools is the, the drains. Since they poop so much in the pool, it, kind yep. of, it clogs the drains sometimes. Yeah. And we just have to snake them or flush them. Other than that, that's pretty much the only problem we have. Okay. Which is nice. So, how not too many problems? How, how deep is their pool? Um, it's about let's see, I five six feet. Five, no, five foot probably deep. Five foot. Okay. I would say yeah. I'd say it's like yeah. Okay. And how, a little bit. No, no, no. You're fine. And I I hear they're not as aquatic as the other, like as the Nile hippo. Is this right? That is, yeah, that's true. So they actually spend a lot more time on land than the Nile hippos. They do spend some time in the water, obviously, but they give birth on land, unlike the Nile hippos. And these guys are nocturnal, so what they'll do um, is they'll go out and forage for food at night, and mm-hmm. they live in a forested area. So that's why, you know, they're so small, so they can get through the like the trees and stuff. So they, they do spend a lot more time on land. And a cool fact is, like, the Nile hippos will have webbing between their toes to okay. help with them spending so much time in the water. Pygmy hippos actually don't have that. So there's, like, individual digits, essentially. And by the way, I will get off this page because I want to pay attention to you, but I'm at the <laughs> Tanganyika Wildlife Park official website, and they have a picture of Link as a baby, and it's one of the most <laughs> adorable things I've ever seen. It's he... It's like him on the mats. I'm just like about oh my, to yeah. die this is oh my he god and him in the water <gasps> <laughs> that's awesome yeah he was when i walked in to him like posey had just given birth i walked in one morning uh-huh. and he was so like <laughs> saggy we referred to him as mc hammer for a significant amount of time before we named him because he looked like mc hammer pants uh-huh. he had like, not filled out at all yet he was really cute he was he was a mess 
were they were they really aggressive like protective no they so pygmy hippos in general are gonna run away oh instead of attack anything so that so unlike the niles like the niles have that aggressive mm-hmm. kind of connotation whereas these guys they're gonna run away um even posey when she was pregnant and had just given birth she was still very like passive like she was very good with us Do you... the only time oh, oh. go ahead sorry. oh no 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 you go ahead <laughs> the only time i've like seen her not even be aggressive but whenever we do introductions we actually keep our pair together so these guys are solitary, so they're just going to come together for breeding. Um, so we keep our pair together because they do so well. And we know <laughs> Posey's pregnant because she'll actually kind of start, like, beating up our male or, like, oh. showing, like, all right, leave me alone. And we're like, all right, you're pregnant. And then we separate. And so it's really easy. Really? Yeah. Now, so, like you said, so, like, I've been behind the scenes at zoos with, with hippos, like the Nile hippos, and it's very, like, protected contact. Are you able to go in with the pygmy hippos? I do. I don't go in with our male, um, but I do go in with our, our female and and Link. Really? Yeah. Do they come up yeah. and let, I mean, you said you said they're a little skittish. Are you able to touch them? Uh, yeah. So we actually, it's kind of cool. We actually do a experience with Link. I trained him for it a couple months ago. I, we started it in June, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he stands on the station. We put up like a rope net. Guests come in. And they actually get to pet him, and he loves it. What? Really? Yeah, they, they pet him. Yeah, they pet him. They get a picture with him. He actually does hippo kiss paintings for it. Like, they do it, oh. um, and they target him a little bit around the stall. And so he likes being pet. Our male also, I recently found out, likes being pet. Our female does not. But so wow. he, he Link will come up to me when I go in with him. He's like, food, attention. Posey comes up to me if I have food. But other than that, she just kind of hangs out. Yeah, I, wow, that sounds so unique. I've never, I mean, some zoos offer behind the scenes hippo tours, but you never usually get to touch them. They usually just do like a training demonstration or feed them a watermelon. That sounds like a once in a lifetime type of opportunity. Yeah, it's been very popular. We sold out the month of June, nearly sold out the month of July. And so we're just keeping it, keeping it around until he eventually goes to another facility. But it's, people have loved it. And Link has done amazing. He caught on really quick and he enjoys it. He he's ready to go. So wow, and that's and mainly like I don't see too many hip, pygmy hippos in zoos. I've seen them at the San Diego Zoo. I think mm-hmm. that's the only place I've ever seen them before. Yeah, they're they're pretty rare as well. I I was trying to find the numbers oh. on how many facilities. I I think Henry Dorley has some. Last I was there years ago. Yeah, I and know then, there's there's yeah. two zoos in the U.S. that house both species, Nile and Pygmy, and I know San Diego's one, but I can't remember the other one is, but... Yeah, that is so cool. Yeah, I did a behind-the-scenes at the Toledo Zoo one time with their big, I think their Nile hippo, and his name was Herbie, and it was, like, the <laughs> coolest thing. Like, the zookeeper yeah. was like, Herbie, come over here, and he just, like, <laughs> waddled over and just opened his mouth and then she was like, go ahead, touch the inside of his mouth. And I was like, oh. what? And she's like, do it. And I got to feel like the gelatinous fat around his mouth. It was like the coolest experience I've ever had. Like, it was so cool. I couldn't even like, I was on cloud nine. I was so happy. That's awesome. Yeah, that, that was sounds really cool. That was so cool. I don't even know if she was supposed to let us do that. It wasn't like, an, it, it was one of our <laughs> zookeeper friends. She was so cool. She's like, come on over here, Herbie. And we just fed him a watermelon. But that is, that is yeah. awesome. 
Hippos, yeah, that is so cool. Where are they in Africa? Do you know, like, compared to the rest of the hippos? Are they more in, like, the central area, in the forest area? They are found in Liberia. Okay, okay. So, yeah, the more forested region, yeah. Okay, and are they disappearing as well? Their, their numbers are are dropping, to mm -hmm. my knowledge. It's, it's actually interesting because pygmy hippos do not have a conservation foundation. So... Really? There's like no one I've I've looked up a pygmy hippo one specifically, so maybe there's another one that works with a bunch of species, but there is not like a pygmy hippo foundation out there like trying to like protect them or save them, which is it's kind of, it's just crazy. I I don't know, I'm surprised, but yeah, yeah. They, they are listed as endangered as well. I was listening to years ago to my friends uh, Chris and Angie. They have a really good podcast called the All Creatures Podcast. And they did a, an episode on hippos. And every week when they featured the animal, they like to talk about a conservation organization. And I remember they said there is there was no hippo foundation. Yeah. I, I think I, that's just crazy. I, you I'm should surprised. start it, Sierra. You should yeah, start right? it. You could be the Listen, founder. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be really cool. I tried. We uh, my the facility I work at does like. Um, we have a connect and preserve committee to where we do like world animal days and we raise money and we send all of that money to the, the like foundations for those animals. Mm -hmm. And we had some money at the end of last year and we were like trying to decide where should we send this to? And mm -hmm. it's like, well, you can give me the money and I can start a pygmy hippo. Yeah. <laughs> or send you to Africa in the oh front lines. Gosh. Could you yes. imagine? That would be crazy. I never hear of people, though, seeing pygmy hippos on safari. I feel like they're so elusive. It's not like a thing. Yeah. No, I all of all of what we know about pygmy hippos, we've learned through them being in a human care. Mm -hmm. So I doubt people really ever see them, like, actually in their native habitat. With them being, like, nocturnal and so elusive, it's probably very difficult. Oh, that's a good point. So they are – so, like, what is so – they are nocturnal. What do they do? I mean, are they spending the majority of their time in the pool, like when guests are there, like during the day, or are they more like under the shade? Like, tell me a little bit about that. Since they're, since you said they're not as aquatic as the other, you know, uh, types of hippos. Yeah. Um, so whatever, what, what we kind of do with ours, since they're solitary, we put mom and baby out from open to about midday so that okay. guests get to see him every day. Um, so first thing in the morning, they're pretty active. They they get the zooms and they run around a lot. Um, she she chases him, which is funny. Um, but the majority of their time when they're on exhibit, they spend either sitting in the mud wallow that we mm. have for them or sitting in the pool. And the, I guess I see them a lot in the, in the water. Um, mm. I know it's definitely not as much obviously as Niles, but and then midday hits, we switch them, put our mail out. Mom and baby go inside and. He spends a lot of time like in the water or or that mud wallow, so they're not super active for mm -hmm. guests during the day, but they're always where guests can see them, which is nice. Yeah. And we we also do hippo feeding, so we do like we do two a day, mm -hmm. so they are spot on. As soon as the time rolls around for hippo feeding, the hippos get up, they go to the little place where guests can actually feed them, so guests get to interact with them in that way as well, which is nice. Well, wow. so um, what are they feeding them? We toss them carrots. Carrots. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. I, I'm telling you what, Sierra, talking with you, I really want to plan a trip to, who do you say, Goddard? Am I saying that right? Goddard? Goddard. Yeah, God Goddard. Oh, my God. I sound it's like right such a tourist. Goddard. Okay. Which, so, God, Goddard. We can just say Wichita. <laughs> yeah, Goddard. Okay. 
I want, it's funny, I'm going to tell my wife, like, honey, we're going to Kansas. She'd be like, what? Why? I'd be like, honey, there's this great yeah. park, and my friend Sierra is going to hook us up, and we can go and oh, absolutely. touch in a copy and hang out with Link. And I better hurry up, though, because you said Link is going to be sent somewhere else. For for a listener listening, wondering, like, why are they going to separate him from mom? Like, th- that sounds sad. Yeah. So, typically about when they get about a year and a half to two years old, we send them to another facility. Um, And that's strictly for breeding purposes, genetic diversity, um, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. We also don't have space right now for Uh three pygmy hippos. Since they're solitary, he needs to be separated from his mom once he's that age because we don't want him trying to breed her, things like that, which they don't reach reach sexual maturity until like three to four. but she could start being mean to him, and we also need to reintroduce our two adults for for breeding, so we can have an, you know another baby. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the the ultimate goal is for the calf to go off to another facility and start a breeding program of their own, especially with how rare and in, like rare pygmy hippos are in in facilities. So our previous two calves, uh, both recently now have um like partners of their own and get to start their own breeding program, which is awesome. So they're, they're off in facilities, one's in Arizona and one's in New York. So really, yeah, wow. yeah awesome. And I think a key thing you said was these are, these are solitary animals. So it's not like yeah. this isn't an animal that would stay with its mom for the rest of its no. life. Like this is something that would naturally happen. Anyway, they would disperse and go their yeah. separate ways. That is so cool. Yeah. And we, yeah, and we do it, it like when we start separating them to get them ready to be like apart for good. It's a very slow process to where it's very stress free. So like we'll start for, you know, a few minutes and if we see signs of stress, they go right back together. And then like as the days go, we slowly increase that time increment that they're separated mm-hmm. um, until we see like, you know, zero signs of stress for the entire day. And then, all right, you guys are good to be separated. So it's very stress free, like not an issue for them and we go on at their pace so and how old is link the baby hippo how old 10 months now he'll be 11 months at the end of this month 10 months so you said it might be like another like when do you so you said they're like two years you said three years or yeah a year and a half to two is when we'll separate them and send them to another facility so he's he's got a like few more months eight eight months or so we haven't we don't have any plans yet for where he'll go or when he'll go but we always prepare guests like he, he was not going to stay here forever. He'll go off and start his own program, but mm-hmm. it, it takes a couple of years. So, mm-hmm. okay. I have, uh, this is completely off topic. Well, kind of with the pygmy <laughs> hippo, but does it ever bother you when people like look at the pool, like guests and they're like, why is it so dirty? Or did you get that? Do you get that at all? Or I'm just like, I'm cause you said they, they poop all the time. I could imagine it being a nightmare. It, it, yeah, it is a nightmare. I, I, I have never heard that. Oh, that's great. From a guest, which I don't know if that's because I'm just not not out there enough around the pygmy hippo exhibit where yeah. I just don't hear it, or if people actually don't say it. Yeah, I've had I've had someone comment on one of my TikToks when I had a video of our rhino in the pool mm-hmm. and there was an apple floating. They're like, "Oh, the trash in that pool." <laughs> <laughs> that's like the only one i've got i think that's just an apple but yeah i haven't actually heard anything which is kind of even when guests come like behind the scenes for the link link experience Mm -hmm. the stall i clean it the best i can but obviously there's poop stains 
and I, I explained to them like, "Oh, these guys are gross," and they don't they don't say anything. Yeah. So that's nice. I appreciate that. Yeah. I try, but it, it's never going to be well, perfect. Yeah, because you're on TikTok too. Yeah, I'm constantly telling people about the alligator pool and like, and I, yeah. you know, like, no, it's this because it's this. And it's just like, people are like, why is it this color? And so I'm just like, and especially online too, or, you know, yeah, yeah that's, yeah. Yeah, it, I, I just, yeah, it, it's an apple. <laughs> I promise I wouldn't let her wade in trash. <laughs> yeah. And I'm happy. That was a great segue. So you also take care of rhinos. What species of rhino? Uh, greater one horn rhinos. I work with two of them. Greater one horn or the, or the Indian, right? Indian rhinos. Yeah. Indian. No. Oh, that's amazing. And you work with two they of them? So cool. I do. Yeah. Okay. A male and a female, hopefully to start a breeding program. We'll wow. see. And so tell me about that. Like, are they, you, you kind of smiled when you said rhinos. So are they some of your favorites that you care for? Oh yes, they are. Like my favorite animal, Okapi, hands down, 100%. Favorite animal to work with, rhino, 100%. What? Like, yeah. Why? Tell me why. They, I, so my favorite part of the job is training. And training the rhinos is just so much fun. And, you know, they're not they're not the brightest either. Like, mm -hmm. let's, no. let's just be honest. But they're so fun. And their personalities are incredible. What The female I work with. Her name is Monica, and she's actually the first. <laughs> I absolutely. There's a good story behind it. There's a good story behind it. <laughs> they she's usually just... always have some like Swahili or African name, like origin yeah. name. I love yeah. that it's Monica. It'll okay. it'll make sense. It'll okay. make sense. Okay. Um. So she's the first female greater one horned rhino to be born from artificial insemination. Oh. So yeah, she so she's named after the doctor that did the procedure. Monica Stoops did the procedure. So she's named Monica. So yeah. Wow. Goes. First rhino born in the US or just in the world? In in general. In general. First knowledge. rhino born yeah. through artificial insemination. Yeah, so she's wow. she's special. And and since she was more than likely around people pretty much constantly when she was born, she is so friendly. She has just an incredible personality. Everyone falls in love with her as soon as they meet her. And yeah, she she's great. So I think I think her in general has helped me really fall in love with working with the rhinos. But they're just they're just amazing. They're so much fun. I remember feeding some at the safari park in San Diego, the San Diego Zoo Safari Park, and just oh, they're just oh, so cool. Like right? they're, yeah. like their lips. I don't know. It's like something about them, and it's like being in front of a dinosaur. That's all I can explain. Yeah. Yeah, it's there. We actually do. We also do. So we do the hippo feeding that I mentioned. And we also do a rhino feeding where okay. guests come up and toss carrots into the rhino's mouth and they actually get to pet her nose and guests love it. They just they all love it so much. And Monica loves it. So. Monica loves it. Are they <laughs> so do you have protected contact with the rhinos? Not technically um, oh. or technically free contact. Um, so like. For example, whenever we go to do rhino feeding, it is hot here in Kansas, um, and greater one horn rhinos are technically semi-aquatic, so Monica spends so much time in the pool, and nearly every day, the only way to get her out is to actually target her out of the pool. Okay. So, I, I that is, like, not obviously free contact, um, but mm -hmm. as far as, like, other training and just general day-to-day, -day, mostly everything that we do is protected contact. There's no need to be a free contact, really. Um, mm -hmm. So mostly the only time I go in with them is to get her out of the pool. Okay. Okay. So. Yeah. So, yeah. 
This is so exciting. So I'm going to, let's do a lightning round because we're gearing up near the end of our podcast interview. So between Okapis, Pygmy Hippos, and Rhinos, who is the messiest? Hippos. Hippos for sure. Who, who eats the most? Rhinos. Who has like the largest poops? (laughs) <laughs> the rhinos. <laughs> I, I figured that was a pretty easy one. Okay. So rhinos. Okay. Who, so you said the hippos. Okay. Who do you think is like, the, well, you, I think you already answered this, but the easiest to train or the one you like to train the most? The rhinos are the ones I like to train them, train the most. I honestly want to say the pygmy hippos are easier. Oh, or, really? Yeah. And I, yeah, they, they catch on so fast. So I want to see the pygmy hippos have been easier for me to actually train and like train like new behaviors constantly. Uh-huh. But I, I think it's the problem solving that comes with training the rhinos. That is really fun. Yeah. Okay. Okay. If there was one, let's say like the park comes to you and says, Sierra, we're going to relieve you of your duties. You can only take <sighs> care of, I know this is going to be hard. You can only take <laughs> care of the two of the three you're working with. Which string would you have to let go? And say, adios, I've had enough. Bye, hippos. <gasps> I know. Sierra, so oh no. Oh, so at least sorry. you're honest, though. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. that is. I hope they never do that. No, I hope not either. No, <laughs> not at all. Well, Sierra, will you join me for the after show by chance? Oh, absolutely. Let's do it. Okay, this is awesome. And audience, if you want to join us for the after show, all you have to do is head on over to patreon.com slash animals to the max. I'm going to ask Sierra more about what it's like being a zookeeper, kind of getting to the nitty gritty. And for those of you who are really interested in this career and you want to learn more, I'd highly recommend you check out the that Patreon-only interview. Sierra, is there anything else you'd like to say, though, before we leave the main show for anybody listening? If you're out there listening and want to be a zookeeper, follow your dreams, work hard. It's hard to get into the field and, you know, sometimes, you know, pay isn't great, all this stuff, but it's, it's worth it. Follow your dreams. Um, it, you'll thank yourself for it later, essentially. So that's great. And what is your, what is your, uh, handle one more time? And are you on Instagram as well? I need to start, like, I have my own private Instagram, but I need to start a public one. So if I do, I'll let you know and you can put it put it here but my my tiktok is the sierra nicole and i'd love for you guys to check it out and see all the animals we've been talking about you cannot miss her it's the page filled <laughs> with pygmy hippos and rhinos <laughs> and okapi and i will put a link in the show notes okay with that said let's head on over to the after show thanks for listening to the animals to the max podcast if you enjoyed this episode please share it with friends and family Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.